So good to have you with us, David. And I want to greet not only those of you who are gathered in St. Charles, but we have some other campuses joining us right now. So would you give it up for uh, Streamwood Bartlett and Blackberry Creek and DeKalb, where there are other congregations joining us right now? Yeah. Hello, guys. Yeah. As well as those of you who are watching online, some of you in your pajamas dreaming of the day you'll be an Olympic star. <laughs> All right, so we welcome you at any time to come check out one of our campuses. Uh, but I think you're going to find this to be a pretty inspiring interview. Now, David, I just want to start out with a topic of diving because the truth of the matter is many of us watch diving when the Olympics come around, but we don't know a whole lot about it. You know, yeah. we, it's not like a sport that a lot, that a lot of people follow on a regular basis. So tell us how you got involved in diving. Yeah, it's definitely not like Super Bowl Sunday today in diving. Yeah, world, yeah, right? yeah, um, yeah. When's the last time you watched a diving competition besides yes. the Olympic Games? Um, or got a party together. Hey, yeah. his party this afternoon, <laughs> watch some diving. Um, yeah, so <laughs> dive, yeah, diving, what a random sport. Why did you get into it? Um, so I, I started diving um, because I had a dream when I was seven years old to go to the Olympic Games. And my family and I would gather around the television to watch the Olympic Games. We were junkies. And uh, we watched the games, and I remember in 96, watching the Atlanta uh, opening ceremonies, these athletes walk in, and, and I just remember turning around to my parents and saying, Mom, Dad, this is what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I say this statistic a lot, but um, my parents, they're, they're probably thinking this, like, all right, seven and a half billion people in the world, 10,500 of those athletes go to the Olympic Games, his shot of making the game, 750,000 to one. How about how about you, you try to win a gold medal? It's even even slimmer. But yeah, they're yeah. like, okay, David, you can do that. You know. Yeah. So, what, was there was there a sport that led into? I mean, were you interested in other sports? Yeah. So I, I was extremely uh, hyper as a kid. I could never sit still, even to this day. Yeah. Um, I'm athletic. I love sports, and I played a lot of soccer, ran cross country, did okay. baseball. Um, but the, the sport that really probably helped me transition to diving was gymnastics. Um, okay. So I, I was flipping onto the couch, uh, flipping off of it, and my, my mom was like, all right, we got to get this kid somewhere safe where he can learn these tricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now, when you dive, you dive from a 10-meter platform. I mean, we're talking about a three-story building, 30, 30 feet up. Uh, is this dangerous? I mean, like, what happens if the dive does not go well? Do, it's not do, good. do you ever smack? Uh, of course. Yeah. If you if you're not smacking, then you're probably some superhuman. And if you're not scared, you're probably weird. So <laughs> I was scared, and but I'm also weird. But um, I, I would walk up these stairs, uh, three-story building. You're going head first, 35 miles an hour in this. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're doing it in your underwear. So that was like, that was the first step for me to get those, over. Those are pretty skimpy. As, a, as an 11-year-old boy, like I had my friends dogging me like crazy. But um, I got over that quickly, and it, it took a long time for me to get over that fear of 10-meter because you're, you're flipping, and you're, you're 12 inches from smoking your head from the platform. Yeah, um, so yeah. you, have to, you have to build up, and uh, it, I mean, it's kind of like anything. Um, whether it's life or a sport, it, it doesn't, I'm not just being thrown up on the 10 meter and say, all right, good luck. Yes. It's yeah. me taking baby steps all the way up wow. so that I'm prepared to do it. Wow. So, okay, so I've, I've belly flopped off of a low board. Not you, good. You, you ever belly flop off of 10 meters? Uh, of course, yeah. So it's actually, so <laughs> w when I first started diving, 
Um, I was petrified, obviously, but Timmy, I would, I would hold onto the rail and shimmy my feet back from the edge <laughs> of the platform and then take off. And um, the dive I was uh, probably the most scared of, it's called a back three and a half. And so you stand backwards yes. on that three-story building, you flip three times, and then you try to dive in. And the idea is to go vertical, right? Like you want to go vertical, no splash whatsoever, so it's clean. I didn't do that. I, I washed over. Uh, smacked extremely hard on on my front side which is worse for a male than it is for a female and <laughs> walked away with just welts all over my legs um, literal so, welts yeah literal <laughs> welts but you I mean you wouldn't think that like you diving you make it look so graceful and easy but it's not easy uh, it, <laughs> when you're training it's not pretty either so wow wow so in in your book and and by the way David's written a great book this autobiography if you like sports, it's a really good sports story, uh, but it's also a faith journey story that, uh, you know, I've thought to myself, especially because of your age, I think you're connecting a lot of, uh, with, with a lot of younger people who are at a stage of life where they're trying to figure out direction and purpose and whatever. It, right. it just really connects, man. Uh, but you, you say that uh, this Olympic dream got started at age seven. Right. And yet, in one of the first chapters, you say it became an idol in your life. Now, Olympic dream sounds positive. Idol sounds pejorative, negative. Well, what do you mean by that, idol? Yeah, um, you know, initially, uh, the Olympics, in and of itself, the Olympics is, is a great thing. Um, I think it brings the world together. And, um, but for me, I made it my everything. And so I devoted everything to this God that I tried to bow down to and appease. And uh, my God was... was gold, silver, and bronze. I wanted that medal um, on the podium at the Olympic Games. And um, so instead of me loving the, the true God, I love this thing called the Olympics that ultimately would never bring fulfillment or satisfaction as I came to learn later on. But um, every, every moment I would try to be thinking of how can I get better? And, yes. you know, that's not a bad thing. Like God puts it in our heart to be cultivators, right? But um, I'd made it so that instead of me worshiping God, I worshiped the Olympics. And so I would, um, I, I would try to uh, do everything I could, study the sport, learn the sport, watch videos. Uh, I'm pretty intense. Um, so much when I was like 12 or 13, I wasn't very flexible. You got to be flexible for diving. And I would, <laughs> I would try to get more flexible by going to bed and trying to lay down in the splits. Like I was, that was comfortable. Like all right, I'm going to get flexible. Let me lay down and try to go to bed like this. Uh, Sleeping in the splits. Yeah, I mean, so that's, that's how nuts. intense I was, and that's yeah. how much I loved diving more wow. than anything. Wow. And, and, any, and we'll get back to this, but anything that becomes a God other than the God mm -hmm. ends up being a disappointment it does. ultimately. It does. Yeah. And yeah. at that time, it, it wasn't. It, it was doing everything that I wanted yeah. to do, and I could... I could put it right here and I could get my fulfillment, but wow. um, later down the road, that's not how it turned out. Wow. Something that surprised me in your story was uh, you talk about getting involved in some unhealthy habits. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, uh, good night, just being a, an athlete, you would think you would have stayed away from, I'm, I'm talking about smoking, drinking, marijuana. Uh, what was the attraction? How did you get sucked into that when you're a top level competitor. Right. Um, you know, those don't, those don't add up whatsoever. Olympic <laughs> athlete, drugs, alcohol, and cigarettes, like yeah. not the same thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, for me, um, I, I tried to mask it like, all right, my friends are doing it. And I wanted to, uh, 
still be with them. And um, that was my way to be normal, I guess. But really, in reality, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't so much that uh, I was addicted to those things. I was more addicted to myself. I loved myself so much that I would justify in any way that, okay, this is just going to satisfy me. So let me take this drink or smoke this cigarette. And at that moment, I, I could be God. I could have control over everything and everything. And, um, you know, later down the road, it was fleeting. Yeah. Wait, wait. You know, that's so ironic what you just said. So you could have control over this. It's interesting. These substances are kind of controlling you, yeah. but you're living with the illusion that you're controlling it. Yeah, loopy, right? Yeah, I mean, it that's is. What, it I mean, is. You, you take it. It doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol or cigarettes. It can be anything your you're job. To. It can yeah. be your yeah. parenting. It can yes. be anything. Yes. Yes. Think that you have control over yeah. it, but um, you know, we know better than that. Yeah. Now, now you said in your book that you weren't alone as a smoker, as a diver. No, Di- a lot of divers smoke. <laughs> what is they the attraction, do. man? Yeah. So here's here's like behind the scenes, the drama of the Olympic game. <laughs> yeah. So diving, they're not. It's not a big cardiovascular sport, and I think divers say like, well, if I smoke this cigarette, then I'm not gonna. I'm gonna stay trim and. Um, I don't really need my lung capacity because all I'm doing is walking up four flights of stairs and jumping <laughs> off of a building. And um, we, we do whatever we want to justify our rebellion, right? Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Eventually, you end up at Purdue. Just, just before Purdue starts, though, uh, you qualified for the Olympic Games in China. Right. So tell us, you know, because most of us have never been there, especially not as athletes. What's it like walk into the, into the Olympic Games. What, what was China like for you? Yeah, for me, that was the American dream fulfilled. So um, for, for much of my life, this is what I was going towards. My dream was getting to the Olympic Games and um, sacrificing so many things and waking up early for practice and going through these things that I, I didn't want to do so I could get to those games. And for me, at that moment, that was, I, I succeeded in life. That was my everything. And it, it was pretty amazing. Um, you walk into the, the bird's nest at the, 20, uh, the 2008 Olympic Games and um, you know, thousands of uh, flashes are going off as you walk around uh, the track because pictures are taken. And um, I actually do remember, this was before I, I knew Jesus whatsoever, but um, I remember actually sitting in the, the middle, the experience, how I was bawling. Um, just even before uh, knowing Christ, I was thankful for how much my parents sacrificed. I just remember bawling in the middle of that, but China put on an incredible Olympic Games, and yeah. it, was, uh, it was pretty special to be part of that. Wow, so you were a VIP, and, yes. and all the attention's <laughs> focused on you, yeah. and yet you didn't perform super well in terms of, I mean, you didn't come home with anything. I didn't. So, so what, I, were you disappointed at the end of the games? I was, and, and VIP, that's what you wore at the Olympic Games. Yeah. Um, whatever the athletes wanted, like we had, we had badges, and you could scan it to any Coke machine and get whatever beverage you want, and you get your laundry service done and um, free food. It's, it's glamorous, and that's all I ever wanted. I wanted that success and, f- and fame. And um, at the end of those Olympic Games, uh, I had big goals going into it. I wanted to, to medal. I wanted to get first, second, or third because that actually marks you as a, one of the best of the best. Okay. Not just an Olympian. Okay. So, um, and you're 19 years old mm-hmm. at the time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and and for me, after my synchronized event, that was the first event that I did. Uh, you saw it with 
with my diving partner. Yeah. Um, we were fifth place, uh, three points out of a medal, and um, I, I was pretty uh, upset, but I knew I had an individual event uh, a, a week later, and high hopes, I, I was actually third going into that uh, Olympic Games and walked away 10th. I, I was wow. I was devastated. I was, I was heartbroken. I remember um, after the event, our, our diving team had a ceremony, and I just locked myself in the bathroom stall and just, just bawled because that was my everything, and it didn't satisfy me. I, I walked away from those games, the village doors shut, and I was like, that, that was it? Yeah. Like, this was supposed to be it's the done. most ama amazing point of my life, yeah. and yeah. that was it. So you made it your God, and your God let you down. It did, yeah. yeah. It was a, a fleeting, unsatisfying God that, um, for the moment, was amazing, but when it was all said and done, never gave me any true, eternal satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. So you come back from China, and you're, uh, you've matriculated at Purdue. Uh, you get a new diving coach, a guy named Adam, who is destined to have a huge impact on your life. What is it about Adam that uh, you found so winsome from a coaching standpoint? Yeah, um, Adam was different than uh, any other recruiting trip that I went on because of the fact that he had, uh, they're just character about him. He, he didn't make all these promises. In fact, when I, before I came on campus, he said, David, I'm not going to promise I can make you an Olympic champion. And, and for me, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's why I'm coming. That's one of the reasons why I'm coming to Purdue, so you can make me an Olympic champion. Um, but what he said was, I'm going to create an environment where a champion could be made. And so for me, I was like, man, that's, that's different than any other coach that has told me anything. And, um, you know, what made Adam so special was that uh, he, he cared more about David outside of the pool than he did about David inside wow. of the pool. And the man was just, he was faithful. Yeah, yeah. Now, you discovered along the way that this guy's also a Christ follower. Yeah. So what is it about him that kind of led on to the fact that, you know, he had this spiritual yeah. dimension to his life? Um, I, I think what I said earlier, he was faithful. Um, he would do what he said he would do. He wasn't flaky. Um, he cared and loved about his family. You could tell anytime he talked about his wife, it was just like, all right, this, this woman must be amazing because his, his, her husband uh, is, is making her seem like she's amazing. Um, but yeah. he was just a guy that cared about you and just something different about him. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is, this is a time in your life where something spiritual is beginning to take place right. in you. And yet, ironically, it's at a it's at a downtime. So uh, you tell the story in your book. There's a, uh, there's a weekend when Notre Dame has come to town to play football. Yep. And uh, I, I would imagine that's why you remember the day, because yeah. you're playing Notre Dame, right? And Notre Dame, always the best school to, to play. We had a huge rivalry, but we always seem to lose. Yeah. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. That, I in football. But in, in football. diving. Yeah, yes. come on, let's go dive. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you go to sleep that afternoon, and, and your book says, you know, that when you woke up, something had changed dramatically, quote mm -hmm. from your book. What was it that had changed? You took a nap on the afternoon that Notre Dame played Purdue, and yeah. something changed. Yeah. What are you talking about? It was, you know, after the Olympic Games, I started to, to slide into this depression, and I tried to mask it with being that popular guy on campus because I had the success from the Olympic Games. And... I tried to mask it from uh, living a party lifestyle, and all these things um, were coming to an end. Um, the depression was getting deeper, 
and the, the alcohol wasn't working anymore, the ego fill wasn't working anymore, and I, I went to take a nap. I woke up, and it's like I hit a brick wall. Um, I just, I woke up and thought, if this is what life is about, and this is all that there is in life, then, then what's the point? And I, I pushed my friends out, told them, told them to go away, and just the more and more I, I laid there, uh, just slept into, or uh, stepped into a point in my life where uh, I didn't want to be here anymore. If this was it, wow. this is pointless. Wow. Wow. And so um, suicidal thoughts came pushing in wow. and thoughts of, all right, how can I do this? Um, that's going to be painless and easy. And Well, um, that's dark. It is. It was yeah. dark and it was, it, it freaked me out. Yeah. Um, like, how is this, like, isn't this for someone who's like some, someone who's not succeeding or things aren't going well for them? Like, it seems backwards, but you know, on the other end of that, all these things that I thought would bring me happiness were not. Yeah. And yeah. I, I texted one of my teammates at that time because I, I noticed a considerable change in her life. And um, she said, uh, I remember the text. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. She said, David, I know this doesn't make sense right now. This could be one of the greatest things that ever happened to you. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> it, it doesn't, doesn't feel so great right now. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks, Ashley. Yeah. The, yeah. What I'm experiencing right now is not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but she suggested I, I texted or text my coach, Adam, and his wife, Kimiko, and um, that's what I did. And they invited me over to their house the next evening. Okay, so, so why... Why Kimiko? Why, why the coach's wife? Um, so Kimiko was a, a 2004 an Olympian, uh, and she uh, kind of lived the same kind of lifestyle that I did and kind of knew what I was going through. She went to the Olympic Games in diving. She experienced all these things. Um, come to find out later, she, she committed her life to Christ a, year, a couple of years before the 2004 Games. But um, I just resonated with her. I, I connected yeah, with her yeah. and her husband, Adam, my coach, and I just looked up to both of them a So lot. what did she tell you? Um, <laughs> something that I initially, um, she started talking about God, and I was like, all right, Kimiko, like, uh, this isn't a problem about me and my relationship with God. Just give me this quick fix that's going to get this yeah. go, go get her David. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the exact opposite of what she did. And uh, she started to, to reveal to me, um, and Jeremiah 2 talks about, um, it, it says, my, my people are for uh, committed two evils against me. They've forsaken me, the, the fountain of living water, and hewed up for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that could hold no water. And so she started explaining to me that I was putting all my hope in these cisterns that were broken. What, water tanks with leaks in them. Yeah. Fleeting, yeah. not satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, instead of worshiping the creation, you need to be worshiping the creator because that's where your life that's where satisfaction is going to be found. And I, I started to understand. I started to actually be receptive to yeah, this. And yeah. um, she, I grew up um, in the Catholic Church. And, and so I, I heard about Jesus before, but I never heard a clear presentation of the gospel in this sense that she, she started to show me that what I was doing was contradictory to what God was intending my life to be. And um, he said that she started talking to me about the gospel, um, that Jesus came to die for me and I was like, all right, that sounds weird. Yeah. What do you mean came to die for me? Why did he have to die for me? And uh, she was, it's either you live in eternal um, e eternity with him or separation from him if, uh, if this is why Jesus came so that you could put your trust and faith in him. And because he died and rose again, uh, I was like, all right, you're like, <laughs> this, this is, is like 
overwhelming right now, but um, I started to, in my rocking chair that I was sitting in, like earplugs came out of my ears. It was like I could hear again. In the next two weeks, I started to investigate this for myself. Like, what does this mean? God died for me, rose again. Like, what is that? Yeah. Uh, I started to investigate in Scripture uh, in God's word, she pointed me to John, and I started to see that I was sinful, that I did rebel against a God that was perfect, and the only way that I could be with him forever is I, I put my trust in him and release this reign, this grip that I had, um, that I thought I had in my life, yeah. and yeah. let Jesus come into it. And um, so, so David gives up control, and Jesus takes control. Yeah, and that, yeah. that's hard for me. Ask my wife yes. right now. I'm a control freak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it was the first time in my life that I actually felt free or yeah. content yeah. or not cloudy. And the things that I desired, uh, whether it was cigarettes or alcohol um, or uh, I, I swore like a sailor, these things that uh, I desired before that, um, you know, God took that off of me and yeah. I didn't desire them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, around here, we're fond of saying, and it's, it's a saying that someone said years ago, but uh, every one of us has a God-sized vacuum, mm. God-sized hole. And, and only God is big enough to fill the hole. Yeah. So you could stuff whatever you want. You could stuff Olympic Games. You could stuff some addiction. You could stuff, you know, your grandkids, your job, your whatever, but it's not going to fill the hole. It won't. Yes. Yeah. And that's something that I started to realize that it, it was only um, these things that I thought were going to bring me happiness can only be satisfied in uh, yeah. the one true yeah. God. So um, it, it was the best decision that um, I, I could have ever made because I, I look back and I just look at what God has done in my life yeah, to, yeah. to grow me to who I am today. Okay, good segue. Let's talk about that. <laughs> so you made this decision to surrender to Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, what changed? What, what, what changed in your life? Um, my heart changed. Uh, instead of looking at life of uh, this economic system of like, all right, you, can, you give me this and I'll get this in return. And, Instead of this exchange, I started to actually love someone for once, not not this. Okay, what can you give me? Um, what can you give back to me? Instead, it was a self-sacrifice for the good of somebody else. Yeah. I started to notice that my purpose wasn't for me and my glory and my um, accolades and my success, but it was for God's glory. And uh, I started to really learn what First Corinthians ten thirty one says: whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So, whether I'm on this huge platform. Um, diving in the Olympic Games or whether I'm, I'm trying to parent my daughter well, God calls me to be uh, a vehicle for his glory. Do it for him. Do yeah. it for him. So you, you started to go to church. You got baptized, your, yeah. your book says, which I, I love to read because around Christ's community, we talk about baptism all the time. Every year, uh, several hundred people get baptized here. They make a decision to surrender to Christ. And the Bible says that baptism is a, is a public celebration yeah. of that. And by the way, our next baptism, March 11 and 12. So if you've made that decision to, to surrender your life to Christ and you've never gone public with it yet, we encourage you to go to one of the orientation classes that are available at any of our four campuses and consider getting baptized on, on March 11 and 12. So you got baptized, you're starting to read the Bible. I mean, any other changes that are taking place that were just kind of shockers to you? Um, yeah, I mean, going to church and actually being excited to go to church. Like that was, I was the kid that slept in the pews growing up and like, uh, like making any excuse that I could, but I actually desired to listen to God's word. I listened, yeah. wanted to listen to what the pastor was saying about the gospel. And um, 
By the way, that's not a problem here. Everybody here yeah. is super <laughs> pumped about being here and listening to the is pastor. That right? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah. Good. I mean, that, hopefully that's a, a, a recurring theme. Um, but I, I remember specifically my coach, uh, Adam, he invited me back to church because we had a, a faith family night is what we call it, where we gathered the church family that evening um, for uh, just celebration and worship. And um, we had already been to service that morning. I was like, you're going to church again? Like twice <laughs> in a day? In one day. Yeah. Um, but yeah. for me, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh-huh. And I actually thought like I was, this was special to me, like me accepting Christ. And I wanted Adam to introduce this to me and uh, introduce people to me because this was, uh, so initially like I, I thought this was only about me. And um, I started to see like how selfish I was, like yeah. how much I made it about me, how much I wanted to be the point in everything. Yeah. Um, but, but later, just as I started to walk, uh, try to be faithful in Christ, the, the honeymoon stage wore off. And so yeah. these things that God had lifted off of me, the, the smoking or the drinking or yeah. these things that I thought that I was free from, that I am free from, started to, the rubber met the road and I started to have to battle those, those wow. uh, a few months later when the, the honeymoon stage wore off, wow. I guess. Wow. So walking with Christ, following Christ, it's not like a, you know, it's not, it's not autopilot. It's pilot, not. Is it? Yeah. yeah. It requires you to, yeah. to battle. And that, that's something that I didn't really understand at that time. But Adam continued to disciple me to show me, you know, um, Romans 8, 28, that coffee cup verse that's whether, um, 8, 28 and 29, uh, God works all things out for the good of those who love him. And 29, I think we miss it to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so God That's was God's doing, goal. Making he was doing like all son. these things yeah. so that I could yeah. be conformed. And so he didn't want this easy road for me to, to yeah. say everything was hunky-dory. He wanted, yes. Yes. Uh, he wanted me to be able to rubber met the road and me yeah. walk out faithfully and yeah. walk the walk yeah. and talk the talk. Hey, by the way, in, in this, one of the things I loved about David's book, reading it, uh, you'll not only read about his faith decision to surrender his life to Christ, but he's, he's pretty gritty, honest about what it means to start following him in every area of life and the ups and downs, the inconsistencies, the, you know, there's the struggles. So I, I appreciated that. Now, shortly after you meet Christ, you also meet Sonny. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Sonny. Was she like a fellow Olympic diver or what, you know, what was she like? She was the opposite of Olympic diving. She did basketball and volleyball, but she was a stunner. Like I remember walking through the church parking lot and I, oh wow, who's that? Um, so you met her at church? I did. When you were supposed Good to be place, thinking about right? God? <laughs> hey, I said parking lot, right? Never. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, our, our friends actually set us up on a blind date. And it was like the most awkward thing. Like we were in grade school where um, like they all moved out of the way so that the only place we could sit was right next to each other. And we were both like, are you kidding me? Um, but Sunny was, she was opposite in a lot of ways that I was. And um, she, you could tell she just loved Jesus. Um, she has beautiful smile, gorgeous blonde hair, and just has a, a spark to her and a joy to her that um, she would say everything that's good in her is from Jesus. And um, for once in my life, I was like, man, this is, she's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. I love her. Yes. Yeah. You know, I was smitten but, at the start. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't smooth sailing. It was it not. It was like, no. so you had ups and downs. You had actually several breakups, didn't you guys? We did. Yeah. yeah. Um, what did you learn? What did you learn about David through this hmm. rocky 
relationship. Yeah, I would like to say it was all her fault. That's what we like to do, like push it on somebody else. Like, look what well, she she's did. not here, so if you want to say, well, oh, yeah, right. we're live streaming. She we, could be we watching. We all know yes. that it was my fault, how foolish I was. But I, I started to see actually how selfish I was. Go figure, you get into a relationship. Yeah. Relationships are messy, and you start to see how selfish you are. But um, after the, the second time we broke up, um, actually Adam and Kimiko um, gathered us it wasn't a smooth transition. It wasn't a, a breakup that honored God whatsoever. And we sat down and we tried to, to handle this in a godly way. And I started to see for the first time in my life how sin affected somebody else. and How um, your sin How my impacted, sin affected yeah. somebody yes. else. And yeah. Like yeah. you can say that it does, yeah. but I just saw her sonny sitting across from me, like wouldn't even look at me, just disgusted and bawling. Um, and that was for me like a wake-up call, like, man, I am a sinner. I am extremely sinful, and I could care less about it. All I care about is David, and so just a continued reminder how much yeah. I need Jesus. But, yeah. um, you know, the third third time's a charm. Uh, the third <laughs> yeah, time we dated, stuck. Um, we, yeah. we yeah. decided that um, I, I, I had a knock on the head yeah. and yeah. Um, decided yeah. I'm foolish to not pursue her and not to, cool. to want to yeah. uh, cherish her yeah. As, yeah. as God would want me to. Yeah. Well, let, let's go back to diving, okay? So um, as, as you're at Purdue, uh, you're experiencing some considerable success athletically. Uh, six NCAA titles, Big Ten Male Athlete of the Year. That's a pretty big honor. And you're, you're heading off to the London 2012 Olympics. You qualified for the Olympics again. This mm-hmm. is pretty incredible. What was different? this time? What, what was different from the China Olympics in London? Um, you know, the, the biggest thing was my faith. Uh, for the first time going into a big major competition like the Olympic Games, um, I had this peace about me, this contentment that um, I just knew that whether I win or lose, whatever is going to happen, that God is going to use this to build his kingdom. And so I had an opportunity to go into this Games to, to make that the purpose, to love yes. God and love others on a stage where um, most of the time the athletes, it's like, it's all about me. Yeah. Look at this. Yeah. And uh, so I, I had an opportunity to go into those Olympic Games and, and make this uh, something not about myself, not make me the king of uh, this success, uh, but make him the king of it. Wow. Now, you would think that that kind of an attitude, you'd be pretty chill walking into the Games. You'd just go through your routine and you'd, yeah. you know, but you almost didn't make it through the preliminary round. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you, you were 18 out of 18. I was. To, to, to go into the, into the, what happened? What fell apart? Um, yeah, so my thinking fell, fell <laughs> apart. Um, I went into the games ranked second in the world, so doing a prelim should be absolutely no problem. Um, but the event was three hours long, and instead of me battling my thoughts um, and, and looking at the past four years of how God has changed my life, my old thinking started to push in. and. Um, I wanted this so bad. I wanted this gold medal more than anything. And so I could just tell my preliminary events was like this, like, you better give this to me. Do not let me let this go. And <laughs> I, I placed 18th, last qualifying spot. And that was for me the moment that God was saying like, oh, you want to be in control of this? You, you want see it what back? just happened? Yeah, you wanna... <laughs> and, and for me, it was actually humbling because I, I started to see like, this is how I was yes. holding it. And this is how I needed to hold this yeah, out like yeah. this. And, um, you know, the next day I went into the, the semifinals with a, a, just a, a new focus. 
yes. and went into the finals that night and uh, happened to walk away with some hardware. Yeah, well, well you, you've got a chapter called 4-6. Mm -hmm. That turn in your thinking that allowed you to recover from the pr preliminaries yeah. and experience some success is due to this mantra. 4-6, what does 4-6 stand for? This is, this is a cool takeaway. Yeah, the, actually, Adam would, my coach Adam would, would uh, say this right before I go up. So he would give me two cues. One was 4-6 every single time, and the other was a, a practical um, golf or platform uh, with your core tight or something like that. But for me, 4-6 <laughs> was crucial because when I got up there, that was the moment. Philippians 4-6 is be anxious about anxious about nothing but with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your request known to god so don't be anxious pray let this go let have contentment have yes and so for me i would say four six and that was like the moment where like all right i'm not in control of this destiny yes. right yes. now yeah i have yes. i have 1.4 yes. seconds to do the yes. best dive of my entire yeah. life yeah but ultimately i'm not in control yes. of this and yes. so that really eased yeah. it up for me i gotta take philippians four six is one of my favorite verses don't be anxious pray, give right. it to God. Right. I'm big into prayer. I wrote a book called Prayer Coach. I'll give you a copy okay. if you'll let me touch your gold medal afterwards. Hey, hey nice. free book about 4-6. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> I've actually, actually forgot I had this back here. So this is the, the one from Rio. This was the one from London. Um, oh, I sat on them. And I noticed uh, them at the beginning, but we started talking and there you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool <laughs> stuff. Cool. Okay. I, I, I don't want to leave the 2012 Olympic Games yet. The finals, mm -hmm. you just alluded to how quickly it's over. Right. And th this amazed me as I'm reading David's book. Uh, he makes the comment that it all comes down to 8.5 seconds. So you do, your round is six dives. Every dive is about 1.4 seconds. Add it up, eight and a half seconds to prove yourself. Eight <laughs> and a half seconds seconds yeah all these years that you've worked to get here and Sounds, it's, it's a little it, depressing actually like i'm spending five <laughs> hours a day six days a week uh 300 days a year training for 8.4 seconds don't wow. mess up whoa, you know whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell us tell us what it felt like making those final dives and realizing you came out on top yeah um for diving uh, specifically, your mental game is, uh, is what's going to separate you. And I, I put a lot of work in trying to uh, mentally prepare for these Olympic Games, both spiritually and mentally in that sense. But um, we do something, I can always hear Adam in the back of my head, like AP baby, AP baby. And um, he says autopilot, like you've already done the work. Everything's already been put in, put Let in autopilot go. mode. Yeah. And that's exactly what I, I experienced at the Olympic Games in the finals perfect time to do it right um but it was like i had blinders on i didn't notice the 18,000 people uh in the stands i didn't notice these cameras and uh, i just remember taking off the platform and getting out and it was just like it was yeah. automatic yeah. for me I, I got out of the pool my last dive I, I could care less what what i placed because i know i put the best six dives uh, down that i could ever put down in the that yeah. competition and um, my name wasn't first when I looked at the scoreboard. I, I never watched the competition um, until after to see the results. And uh, the last Chinese diver went at the competition, and my name was still first. And 
I couldn't really fathom it. Uh, my face was just like, <laughs> what, what does this mean? Is like, this I'm real? still at the top right. of the, yeah. And there, yeah. Was a, there was a Canadian diver that actually came up to me and was like, Dave, she said, David, you just won the Olympic Games. Like, you can smile. That's how dumbfounded I was. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like, wow, this, <laughs> this came true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This dream that I had as a boy, yeah. uh, going to the Olympic Games and winning yeah. gold became a reality. What, what is it like to stand on the platform, gold medal around your chest, national anthem being played, yeah, um, it, it, obviously hard to put into words, but um, for me, when I stepped up on that podium, I, I had my family to the left of me in the stands, and there's actually a, a, a John Purdue club where I went to school. They brought a lot of their supporters to oh, the game, cool. and so it was, yeah. it was really it was awesome. I was like uh, in the middle of this support system that had helped me get to those games, yeah. and yeah. I never wanted to be that guy that cried on the platform or on the podium. So I was like trying the hardest that I could not to, to ball out in tears, but I just remember being extremely thankful for um, just how much my parents had sacrificed for me, how much my uh, uh, then fiance Sonny had, had put in to help uh, me get to that point and the yeah. coaches, the yeah. weightlifting coaches, the massage therapists, the trainer, every, it, yeah. it takes a, a team to make a dream become a reality. Yeah. And so yeah. they had done a lot yes. uh, for me to get there. Yeah. Now, an interesting part of the story, uh, you say that uh, Adam came up and hugged you mm -hmm. when, when you, you won the gold, uh, but he also started, he's hugging you and he's praying for you. Yeah. What was Adam so concerned about? Um, that this Olympic gold would, uh, it, it would push David back into his old thinking, that uh, David would uh, think that he was the king of all of this, that he made this happen and, and that God didn't do any of this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an easy, easy reality that could come true uh, if that's where your thinking starts. And so he had just a, a, a vision way beyond this moment um, that this could destroy you if you let yes. it. Yes. So here's your coach celebrating, on the one hand, yeah. the biggest event of your life and everything he's worked with you for. Yeah. And on the other hand, really concerned right. that you don't screw up at this point and yeah. go back to being the old David. So what did happen to, I mean, you, you got to be tempted with a big head because you're immediately thrown into the limelight, right? Of course. Um, yeah, so I went straight from um, the Olympic Games. I missed the closing ceremonies to New York to start this media tour where um, I would just constantly be fed like, you are absolutely amazing. How did you do it? Yeah. And um, you, you didn't even stay around for the, the closing ceremonies? No. Uh, yeah, it was, it was straight to work after the that. The publicist, yeah. boom, yeah. Yeah, that's right. But um, so one of the things that uh, he put in place, which I, I just look back, I'm just so thankful for how much he loved me to, to do this and how much thought he had, how much, it just shows how much he loves Jesus. But um, he actually flew someone from our, our church family back in Lafayette, Indiana, to come and meet me to start this media tour. And he was like this spiritual coach for me. And so before <laughs> I would go to this interview, it would be like, uh, you know that that angel that you want on your 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 shoulder, like uh, speaking all the good things in your. This is what he basically did. Wow. It was me wow. being reminded of what my purpose was going into this interview, and that's to make God look good and be the the victor of this. A so. person flew from Lafayette to, to New York just yeah. to hang with you and make sure you had some ballast. Yeah, I mean that's that, pretty incredible. I think it obviously shows too just how much. Um, when you are committed to Christ, you're going to do what it takes to glorify him yeah. on any stage. And so, yeah. um, you know, at that time, I didn't really understand. Uh, I didn't have the maturity to understand that. Yeah. But Adam was uh, so keen on, on 
wanting to make sure that we were battling our sin, that we wouldn't be in a place where that was receptive or receptive for us to, to be in a place like that. Yeah. Wow. What a good bud. What, what, a great, what, what a great what a great man. A, what a great what a great brother. So his concern was that you not get a big head. Did you get a big head? Uh, I would love to say no. Of yeah. course not. Um, but I was actually in premarital counseling uh, at that time with Sonny and I just remember one of our meetings. I let this on the outside I was like, "Yes, this is what it is. This is God is the king of this." But on the inside, there, I didn't believe it. I thought this was all about me and how I put in the work to do this. And so uh, go figure, like, you, you check on this. You come to church and you act like this good Christian, but in the behind closed doors, you don't believe it. That was me um, thinking inside, like, this, was, this is all about me. And I got yeah. to the point where I was so hard that um, the pastor that was marrying us uh, w- would read scripture to me at that particular meeting. I was just like... Like, don't, don't Just talk to me. Just bouncing off. No, yeah. and so I yeah. shut everybody yeah. out. That's wow. what I was wow. good at when I was uh, BC days before Christ. So just shutting people out and I hoping the problem would go away. But that night I went home and I, I was just broken. Just knowing that I had thought that this gold medal, now that I had it, this was my ticket to success again. That uh, the old thinking of uh, fame and success and riches and everything that could come with this could become a reality yeah. And I didn't believe uh, that God was the king. And so that, that night he broke me of that and showed and revealed to me that, uh, you know, David, that's not actually yeah. true. So. Isn't God good in, in, in the way yeah. he keeps coming after us? I mean, just does not let us go. Yeah. yeah. And I, don't, yeah. I would never want to walk yeah. through those experiences again, yeah. but I'm so thankful that those yeah. moments happen uh, just because yeah. it grows my, my yes. faith and my love towards God more. Yes. And uh, it those are the scars that, uh, that you look yeah. back on and you're just reminded of how good he yeah. is in your yeah. life. Yeah, someone has said, uh, this isn't an exact quote, but uh, we don't fully realize what big jerks we are and we don't fully realize how great God's love is. Yeah. Those are the two things we've got to keep in tension. We really don't deserve God, but he loves us and right. has proven it in Christ. Yeah. So back to diving again, Rio Olympics this past summer, you're back at it. In fact, you're, you're, you were kind of the old man on the yeah, diving team. I was. Har- hard to believe, but uh, you medaled again. You were back on the podium. Uh, just a, a word or two about Rio. Yeah, so my, my Rio experience, it was my third game. The, the, the divers on the team, you'd be like, you're 27 years old. How are you old? They called me grandpa, and I was like, I'm like five <laughs> years older than you. Um, but I, I was. I was one of the oldest in my event. I had a, a child, and I was married. I was just in a different stage of life, and so I guess I looked older. Um, but uh, the Rio experience was, was so much different um, because of my maturity, because of um, the past four years of uh, being married now, yeah. and um, the Olympics wasn't everything for me. So I, it yeah. was amazing to be able to share that with my wife yeah. and my child and um, with my family and I, I loved going to their house because it was almost like I was away from the Olympic Games but uh, when it was go time I loved it yeah, I, I yeah. loved the pressure of those yeah. games and yeah. it was a, a special special games again yeah what, what is what is next for you are you gonna keep diving are you gonna coach or what's up I don't think that would be a good idea for me to coach. Um, <laughs> just my, at least right now, my intensity, they would walk away from the pool. But, um, you know, I don't know. As far as my, our diving path, I'm not sure what that looks like. I think um, my wife, Sunny, and I will look 
at the next four years, whether that's the right thing for me. I can just see, um, I get emails constantly or messages constantly, just how much uh, people are encouraged. And um, I just see how much of an impact I can have on the kingdom through the Olympic Games. But there's also a side of me that um, there's got to be a time for me to hang it up. And I'm in real estate now. I got my my real estate license after the Games. And we're just seeing what this transition looks like. And I love being home a lot more than I was. Yeah, cool. I'm going to pull things together at close here. Uh, But if you've never been to a WOW weekend before a Christ community, we do this several times a year, and we intentionally bring someone who's got a a celebrity story of sorts to tell, but they've also uh, begun a faith journey. Because we know that for for many of us, uh, even if we've been to church, even if we grew up going to church, we've not made that surrender decision that has truly begun a relationship with Jesus. So we want people to hear about that periodically, you know, what it was like, the decision David made. Uh, You're probably not on a path to be an Olympic gold medalist, but there's a lot of stuff in his story that we can identify with. So let me just recap it, because the goal of these WOW weekends is to give you an opportunity, if you've never done this before, to give you an opportunity to surrender to Christ, to begin this relationship with, with Jesus. So as you're listening across four campuses or, or listening online right now, let, let me give it to you one, one more time, okay? There, there's an obstacle to us having a good relationship with God, and that is a sinful heart. And, and the, the, the predominant display of that sinfulness is that we want to be our own God. So, you know, you think of yourself as a relatively good person, relatively moral person. You probably keep the Ten Commandments, right? Well, did you know that the first two commandments have to do with having no other God before the real God or making an idol out of anything in our lives? So if we've done that, and we all have, we all have, then then we've already disobeyed the first two, the greatest commandments. So whatever you stick in place of God, whatever gives you significance, gives you purpose, gives you pleasure, gives you a sense of security. You know, whatever you look to for that, it could be your job, it, it could be the acquisition of you know, certain possessions, it could be your bank account, it could be your girlfriend, it could be your grandkids. What, you know, whatever you're looking to, to, to make you feel special and secure and significant, I got to tell you, that's your God. And there's coming a day when you're going to be horribly disappointed in your God because your God is not going to produce for you what only the true God can. See, that's what God wants to save you from. It's, it's not like God's got an ego problem and so he wants to be the only God in your life. It's because God knows he's the only one who can satisfy, the only one big enough to fill the hole in your heart. So how do you meet this God? Well, again, your sin, especially your your, your sin of making other gods first in your life, it's kept you at arm's length. Jesus came to earth to die for your sins. Why, why did he have to die? Well, because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Okay, when, when we pull apart from God, when we go our way instead of God's way, we're, we're pulling apart from the one who's the source of life, the one who gives your heart every beat, your lungs, every breath of air. You know, so when you go your way instead of God's way, you're, you're saying... I don't need this giver of life. And so you die spiritually on the inside, and one day you'll die physically. And if this problem doesn't get fixed, you'll die eternally. You'll be eternally separated from the giver of life. Jesus came to the planet to give his life on our behalf, to take the penalty our sins deserve, to die the death we should die. That's what he did on the cross. 
And he rose from the dead so that he now can offer you forgiveness, forgiveness for your self-centeredness, forgiveness for your sins, and he can, he can offer you a brand new life, a life where he's king on the throne of your life. You're no longer king, you're no longer queen, he's the king. So when it comes to surrendering to Christ, that's what the decision's all about. Have you ever done that? I mean, very consciously, deliberately, have you ever humbled yourself before Almighty God and said to Jesus, I want you to be my king. I want you to forgive my sins. I, you know, I want you to be God, not me. So we're going to give you an opportunity to do that right now, and the way you do it is in prayer. Prayer is simple communication with God. So right now, I'm going to stand up at the front of the platform here in St. Charles. I'm going to ask our campus pastors to do the very same thing at the other campuses and lead you in a simple prayer. If you've never surrendered to Christ, I believe God brought you here or has you watching online right now for a purpose, and that purpose is to realize the truth of what I've just said and surrender your life to Christ. So here in St. Charles and across our other campuses and, and those watching online, would you all bow together with me in prayer right now? As I walk you through this prayer, there's really nothing magical about the prayer. These are uh, not special words. In fact, you could say the words and not mean them. But it's more about the attitude of your heart. Are you ready to surrender to Christ? If you are, you could pray something like this from your heart. God, I recognize that I've kept you at arm's length. God, I recognize that at this point in my life, I have tried to be God or I've put other things in your place in my life. I've looked to sports, I've looked to money, I've looked to my job, I've looked to my family, I've looked to my car, I've looked to other stuff to give me a sense of security and peace and significance that only you can give, and I'm sorry for that. And I haven't been all that concerned about obeying you. I've not been too interested in your word, what it says, or what your standards are for my life. Forgive me. Let me pause at this point and say, if you're, if you're praying this sincerely from your heart, it's usually a good idea at this point, too, to to own it personally by saying, yeah, and this is in particular, God, how I've sinned against you. Is it pride? Is it anger? Is it lust? Is it materialism? We all kind of have our pet sins. And it might be a good moment for you to say, hey, God, this is, this is the sin that's manifested itself in my life, and I'm sick and tired of it, and I want to be done with it. Can you, say, can you get humble before God right now? Tell him that. And then the second step is to say, and thank you for sending Jesus, who took the punishment that my sins deserve. You know, my sins led to death, spiritual death, eventually physical and eternal death, but Jesus took the death I deserve to die. Can you just pause for a moment and from your heart, if you've never acknowledged what Jesus did as being for you, tell him right now, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for taking the death I deserve to die. And one last thing. Now tell him you want to live for him. Tell him you want to get off the throne of your life and you want he, him to be king. Him, you want Jesus to be God. Just put it in your own words. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want to learn what it means to follow you. Just like David has been describing what the journey's been like for him in following you, I want to learn how to do that. 
Now, one last thing. We're bowed before God. This has kind of been between you and God. Eyes are closed. We're kind of in a reverent, submissive posture. I want to ask you to do something tangible, something physical that will help you remember the decision you just made. Because I believe across this campus and those who are watching online, there have probably been many people who've prayed this prayer for the first time from their hearts. Said, yes, I surrender to Christ. I mean it. But the question is, will you remember what you've done tomorrow, 24 hours from now? In fact, will, 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 you, will you doubt what you've done? Because you just made kind of an invisible decision. So I'm going to ask you to do something right now that will help you remember that you meant business with God, that you sincerely surrendered to him. What I'm going to ask you to do across this campus and those watching online, I'm going to ask you to stand for one second and sit back down. I know it sounds like a silly thing to do, but it's just your way of saying, I just prayed that surrender prayer, and I meant it, and I kind of want to seal it. I want to convey my sincerity to God, and a simple way to do that is just stand up, sit back down. So right now, would you do that? If you just surrendered to Christ, you prayed that prayer from your heart, I know it feels like your bottom sticking to your chair, but stand up and then sit back down. Up in the balcony, on the main floor, stand up and sit back down. Good. All right. Anybody else? Yep. Yep. In fact, if you're watching online and you're sitting in your recliner, good. Others. And you're saying, yeah, this is for me. I think God wanted me to tune into this today. Anybody else? Just stand up, sit back down. I just prayed that surrender prayer. I want this to be a memorable moment for me. Good. Good. Anybody else? Yep. Seen people across the auditorium, different places. One last second. I know you want to do it because I know, I know if you're inclined to do it, it's because God's moving in your heart saying, yep, this is, this is the day for you to give your life to me. Anybody else? Let me pray for you. Uh, God, I just want to thank you for stories like David's that convince us that you are alive and at work in our world today, that you're, uh, you're beginning relationships with people. And we hear it expressed in simple ways like David has described, and it makes us say, this is what I want for my life. So thank you for that. Thank you for those who not only prayed that prayer, but those who were bold enough to stand up and say, and I mean it. And I want to pray that this would be the beginning of a relationship with you that continues on. It's going to have some bumps in the road like David described, but God, may this be the beginning of a relationship that continues in Jesus' name. Amen.